Ellie, don't you dare. I know you're about to act up. Rise and shine, bitches. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. So today, as you might notice, I don't have the lovely Jimmy Hanshaw with me. Uh, I'm actually doing a solo episode for your chief complaints because you guys have recently submitted a lot of chief complaints about dental school clinic, a lot of questions about surviving, thriving, and um, I just thought that this would it would be fun to do like a little themed episode about how to master clinic, how to play the clinic game. And so I am by no means like an expert, but this is definitely something that really like, this was something that I stressed a lot about when I was starting clinic. And I gotta be honest with you guys, like when I started clinic, I was distraught. Your girl was so unwell, so distraught because I was so stressed out about it that it kind of like consumed me. Like just ask Jimmy, just the stress of clinic and getting my requirements done consumed me. I, I guess this is kind of a good thing. I was so I was so focused on it that I really did everything I could to kind of like learn and master the rules of the system. So I like asked a lot of my upperclassmen friends. I compiled like all of their tips. I really like practiced a lot of their tips. I developed my own tips. No, like when I went home at night, I was like, okay, how do I optimize my time? So that way, like I can get this many requirements done by this. Like I was like kind of obsessed and it was unhealthy, but I feel that because of that, I am able to give you guys some good good solid advice from one up like you guys know that meme of that like guy with like a chalkboard behind him of like all these pictures like the crime scene things and like the red string connecting all of these things I think it's like Charlie from like something I forget what it is but he like looks insane and he's like this is how like this is what I figured out that was like me with clinic so like let me just have my little like nerdy moment share all of my secrets and like help you guys thrive better than I did because like I said I was unwell so the first thing I want you guys to know is, I said this before, clinic is like a game, okay? You have to know the rules, know the rules well, and play the game within the rules, but to your favor. So what I mean by that, I mean, I'm going to elaborate on all of that. But basically, one of the things that I want to start this episode by is emphasizing that you really can't take things personally. Like I said, it's just a, it's a silly little game that obviously we have to do and like $400,000 we spend to play this game. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's a silly little game. You can't take things too personally. There will be times during this game where you question everything and all of your life choices and your abilities. And if Ellie could stop squeaking, that would be great. I don't know if you guys can hear that. But yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, don't stress out the way that I did with this. You have to remind yourself this is just a silly little game that you just have to play the rules by and try to win. And by winning, I mean finishing your requirements and graduating eventually. Okay, so with that out of the way, the first thing that I want you guys to understand about clinic is that the most stressful part of clinic is not doing the procedures. That's what everyone thinks. They're like, oh my God, what if I like mess up this filling or whatever? It's not the procedures or the clinic time. Okay, well... No, that is kind of stressful in the beginning also. That, that is stressful, but that's not the most stressful part, okay? The most stressful part is honestly more like the in-between stuff, the stuff you don't think about. So basically like the patient stuff, the stuff we're actually doing is simple because we've already practiced it a thousand times in lab. We know what we're doing. It's just like the, like the actual doing that part. The hard part is, like I said, with the in-between, it's figuring out your scheduling. It's the insurance annoyances, the lab issues when somebody doesn't come right, when one professor says to do this and the other professor says to do that. 
sometimes there's like a form that you like didn't even realize needs to be signed and swiped before you can do this. Like basically clinic is just why I call it a, a game is because it's one big amazing race, like one big scavenger hunt at all times. You never really know what to expect because like no one really tells you this because they're all kind of just trying to survive too. Like you don't learn these things, how to do something really in terms of like the logistics of it until you start it and you're in the middle of this. And then someone's like, oh, wait, you were supposed to do this. And you're like, what? I, I didn't know about that. Right. So that's an annoying part. Another very annoying part, arguably the worst part, is that it is just so out of your control. There are so many things out of your control. And that's why the first point I mentioned was don't take things personally because you really can't let yourself get all bent out of shape over stuff you can't control. So the first two years of school, you controlled like how much you studied, which usually translated to results, right? Like usually it was if this, then that. Here it's not so much like that. Back then, you controlled your own little projects and stuff. In real life, you can't control if your patient's bleeding a lot that day and the impressions just aren't coming out right. Your patient has a family emergency and can't come into that one appointment that you had to wait weeks for. The lab sends you back something and it's wrong. It's just like all of a sudden, the reason why clinic sucks is because you have 10,000 times more responsibilities than you were used to before. And all of these 10,000 responsibilities happen to not really be in your control. So I know that's a lot of doom and gloom, but I just had to set the scene and set your expectations. So let's get into now like the more tangible stuff. So number one, the first important step of this whole game is finding your people, okay? Like assembling your team. So the first step to doing that is your upperclassmen. Okay, your upperclassmen are gonna have the best tips. They will tell you what to do, how to do it. But most importantly, they will tell you what to anticipate from something and what to worry about and not worry about. And for me at least, and I think for a lot of people, that is key because so much energy can be spent, wasted in clinic worrying about things that didn't end up being important and didn't end up going your way. So when I started clinic, I asked both my like fourth year big for advice. And I also asked a good friend that was graduating, like a graduating senior, and they really helped give me like the lay of the land. Okay. Your upper front, your upperclassmen friends, they're going to give you hacks. First of all, like they're going to tell you like, oh, if you get the chance to do this type of procedure, it's much more efficient because the steps are like, for some reason, like X, Y, and Z, like you can expedite this. They'll tell you stuff like that. They'll tell you how to be more strategic. Like for example, so for us, like crowns and dentures take two to three weeks to come back from the lab, right? They'll tell you how to optimize that time. Like, okay, while you're waiting for this to come back from the lab, you should get this, this, and this requirement done, right? Another thing to mention. So we all, every school, we all have these silly little, what's called like, I call them stackable requirements, meaning these are requirements that you can get like multiple done in one visit, like getting this competency done while getting this other thing done, like while they're in the chair. The name of the game is optimizing your time while your patients are in your chair and clinic in front of you. That way, it's much less visits that they have to come in, which is better because the more visits you make someone come in, the more you risk, A, them not coming in, B, working with a, diff a, a different faculty with a different plan. There are so many variables. So the less times you have to bring someone in, the better. Also, I mean, that's just like, that's just common sense. Like that's the less times you have to come in. But, so I know I just said that, right? Like optimize your time in the chair. That's like the number one thing all the upperclassmen told me. Like if you can get multiple things done on one person in one visit, get them done. But while I say that, I, I hate to say it, I also have to say you have to be there a lot, okay? Like, I know some schools force you to be there every day. For us, at least at Tufts, we make our own schedule that was both good and bad because, like, it was obviously nice because, like, if you want, you could make your own schedule. But it's also very tempting then to, like, take off an afternoon or, like, an evening appointment. So the reason why you have to be there a lot, there were so many times and so many requirements I got done because 
let's say I would happen to be in school. I, I, I wouldn't have a patient, but I would happen to be in school either like sitting in an operatory scheduling my patients or doing lab work. And I would hear someone say something and I would learn something from them. I would learn like, oh, this procedure is good to get done early or like, oh, this thing is good to know about like expediting this process. Or I would happen to be at school and I would be able to talk to classmates and like the faculty. Like when you happen to be at school, even when you don't have a patient there, especially when you don't have a patient there, you can hear about so many more helpful tips, good opportunities, like learn good lessons. You can even like see things happen. Like you can see someone doing something. And that is just such a good opportunity to learn, both like from a clinical perspective and then also like requirement wise, you can like kind of learn better how to optimize your time too. So that's what I mean. And like, you have to like put in the time and be there. I wish there was some hack where like you didn't have to show up and you got all that done, but like you really wouldn't learn otherwise. And so that brings me to another very good point, like a mistake that I made very early on, which was when I was scheduling in the very beginning, I would like totally book out my schedule, right? I would try to book like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., like Monday through Friday, as much as I could. Boom, 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 patient, patient, patient. But I made the mistake where I wouldn't block out enough time for the like administrative side stuff. Like I needed to actually block out time to be at school so that I could like get swipes, learn about stuff, ask questions, but not have the responsibility of seeing my patient. So for example, I would block out a morning and you could use that morning to schedule patients, work on their lab work, call their PCP if you need to do that. Do like the miscellaneous like insurance, like annoying stuff because like you don't have that much time then if you're if, like what I was doing, if, if you're seeing patients 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., you're not going to have a lot of time to do all of the other very necessary things to move things forward. So in the end, I became very overwhelmed and like it was not very productive because let's say I would have a super busy week, right? You can't send out a case unless you do the lab work, right? So then that would slow me down. So long story short, just be intentional about blocking off times, either a couple mornings or like if you don't get mornings off, just blocking off time, even like on the weekends if you have to, where you can work on your administrative like out of the chair things that need to be done when your patient's not there. You also just have to like be strategic. And so like, let's say you've already booked out the next like two weeks of your schedule, right? And then you look and that third week is pretty empty. Be strategic and start thinking like, okay, who can I call early to schedule in that third week? What can I start working on now so that I can see them in three weeks? Like keep your schedule going because sometimes it's easy to like come to a point where you're stagnant because you didn't plan for three weeks ahead. You, you were like so busy the first two weeks that you didn't get to plan. So that's why it's really important to have that room to breathe so that you can keep moving forward, keep looking ahead and keep being strategic and constantly filling your schedule. Also a little side note, I know like a lot of this is about like getting your requirements done, but I think a big thing to keep in mind is that if you're someone like me that's planning on jumping straight into private practice, yes, requirements are like obviously important to get done, but those are also kind of like the bare minimum. Like they're not trying to hold people back really. Like those are like the bare minimum. You should also be really focused on like learning. And if you can like try to do as much as you can, push your limits, do more. Like don't stop doing something just because you hit like the requirement limit. If you you can like try to do more spend as much time as you can do as much as you can because like this is the safest place to learn you're obviously like that's your job you're paying so much money every single day if you actually calculate it I haven't done it because it would disgust me but if you think about it you are paying so much money to be there so the least you can do is to like make it worth it come to school like soak in stuff reach out to people that you want to learn more from if you want to learn more about this procedure reach out to someone to shadow them and watch them do it 
don't be afraid to shadow on like the pe the postgraduate floors if you want to specialize too. Like school is truly like what you put into it. So that brings me to point number two, which is when I say find your people, I mentioned the upperclassmen. Now I'm also saying finding your people also means faculty. Okay, you need people on your side. You need people that you work well with that will teach you. Sometimes the difference between, I, and also I have to make a side note. I know I keep harping on requirements. Um, I know that's like not the whole point of clinic and yada, yada, yada. But the thing is getting them done is important because the faster you get your requirements done also like the more the better you'll feel and the more you'll be able to soak in and learn something just for the sake of learning not worrying about getting something done for the sake of getting it done right so like in a sense yeah obviously like you're learning along the way but if it sounds like I'm harping a lot on requirements it's because yeah it's important to graduate on time sometimes the difference between getting a requirement done in one visit versus having to bring the patient like back again all comes down to if the faculty trusts you to get something done okay faculty are busy they have like a lot they're like just as overworked it's like kind of insane they're very busy they don't want to add more to their plate than they already have so if they trust you that that you can get something done that you're competent that you know what you're doing that you are on top of things they will be more willing to let you do more let you like get more done during the appointment and they'll be more willing to help you um, also keep in mind, like not all faculty are like the same, right? Like everyone has someone that they work well with. And here's the part where upperclassmen also come in. They can really advise you and tell you like, okay, this person was great to work with for this procedure. I learned a lot about X, Y, and Z. Or like, okay, this person expects something else. Everyone is different. Let's be honest. Everyone gets along with faculty differently. Sometimes the same faculty member can get along with some students that enjoy working with them. Some don't. It really depends on you. And so that's why I can't tell you like, okay, only see this person, only see that person. It really depends on like how you work. But bottom line is you need to find your people. Okay. Like I owe my degree to like a good handful of my favorite faculty. I would even go so far as to like book my patients specifically on the days and times that I knew they were there because my patient and I both like love this faculty and it was nice having like that continuity of like seeing the same person you know what I mean seeing the same person is like really great because well that also brings me to my next point don't have too many cooks in the kitchen okay so if I show one case to five different people you're gonna get five different answers so that's another reason why it's good to consistently stay working and also let me just mention all of those five answers could be right right but they're all different so that's why it's good to consistently stay working with like one person if you can or like your one ride or die faculty that you love working with because it just helps the case go along so much faster and one of the most frustrating things in clinic is you will encounter having one faculty tell you like okay this looks good book them for the next step and then when they come in for the next step you might work with a new faculty that takes a look and says like wait this isn't ready you got to do this this and this right there's always going to feel like there's a changing plan and that's frustrating for both you and the patient because then it kind of seems like a a waste of time and then also b that the more that that happens the less faith the patient will start to have in you so that's why it's really important like i said don't have too many cooks in the kitchen don't complicate it don't get too many opinions because you're going to hear a lot of opinions <laughs> that's one of my favorite quotes when i was talking to like i think it was my little at one point i was like how's clinic going she's like everyone has so many opinions and i'm like welcome Welcome to dentistry. Everyone has so many opinions. And you know what? They could all be right. At the end of the day, you can't really control that. So what you can control is trying to streamline and work with like, you know, staying consistent with the faculty that you work with. Let me tell you, faculty make or break this experience. Working with a good faculty, they will teach you. They know how you think and work. They will be able to like guide you. And like the awesome thing is like, so I have like a couple of faculty that I always worked with. They really see you grow. Like it was so cool 
feeling like they were like trusting me and like noticing like appointment after appointment they were letting me like do more on my own that had to be like the most satisfying part of clinic and like why like certain parts that I really enjoyed about clinic were just like being able to grow with the faculty it's just like the coolest moment and yeah good faculty will literally have you being like wow this is the best profession ever i'm so happy okay so another hot tip to getting your requirements done actually has less to do with the actual requirement and more with what's commonly called your treatment plan acceptance rate okay so basically what i mean by that is if in an appointment you can get effectively your patient to one understand why they need to get something done two, care about getting it done and in a timely manner, and three, trust that you are the person to get it done. If all of those three, three things are really emphasized and they absorb that in your initial exam with them, there's a much higher chance that they will agree to do those treatments that you propose. So there's a much higher chance then that they will show up, keep their appointments, come on time. It's all about that relationship and like first impressions are just so important. So during my exam, I would go hard on like, I don't want to call it selling, but like, like, I hate that word, but for this conversation, let's say, let's say proposing the treatment plan. I would really put a lot of my effort into that in the beginning because I would take that time to like educate them with diagrams, like pull up pictures on the computer, explain what something is. They really like, a lot of times patients really don't necessarily know why they should care about something. It might feel intuitive to us because we know the big picture. That's why we're in dental school, right? Like we have to care. <laughs> that's like why we went into this, right? Patients don't have to care. There's no one telling them they have to care, right? And that's another thing I learned in clinic. You can't care more than the patient does. It's just an exhausting merry-go-round to go around. But anyways, like I said, you have to educate them because like they're not going to intuitively know a lot of the stuff. You have to be very clear about the steps and expectations and cost of things early on. Like really make them feel like this is a team effort where they're steering the boat, right? They still have to feel like they have that autonomy and like they're making that decision. But also they have to feel that team effort where they understand that they need to take accountability for their part in it because there are some patients where like I would let them know what needs to be done but like unless they're really ready to take the accountability and show up have the payments ready do what they have to do it's not going to be successful right and that's what I mean by like this is a team thing something important with like having that good treatment plan acceptance rate I think it also starts with like the little things for example in our head like a little thing is like the cleaning, for example, right? The effort you put into giving them like a stellar cleaning experience, like during the cleaning experience forever, like for example, like really caring about the details, reiterating what the next steps are in their treatment plan, why it's so important to show up for the next steps. These are the things that really made a big difference for me because like, let's be honest, the patient really cares about their cleaning, right? Like do a fantastic job on that cleaning, care about the details, give them like that, like A plus stellar quality service, because how they're treated now is like how they think they're going to be treated in the next time, obviously, right? That's like where they start to come up with their perception of you. So like one good thing is I would always remember like a small detail that they told me during the exam and kind of like whip out like a question about that. Be like, oh, how did that thing go? I remember you told me about that. How's this family member doing? Like they want to feel like you care. And I mean, like, Obviously, it's really hard when you're really busy to remember all these details, but what I'm saying is just don't sleep on the little things because each and every encounter with a patient is a special opportunity to like plant that seed of trust and them being willing to keep working with you. Okay, so next 
An important thing is building your roster with high quality, like really great patients to work with, okay? So in the beginning, I was self-conscious because I had the smallest patient roster in my clinic. So early on, I just, I had to hustle like really hard to build my roster. So every free NPE I could get, which is an NPE in our school is called a new patient exam. Um, actually, I think every school does this, but for those of you the guys that don't know, this is basically how you acquire new patients at school. So anytime someone offered up their spot for an NPE, I would take it, hoping that maybe a patient would show up and they would be like, you know, like just what I was looking for. So what I mean by if someone is the right fit is basically we need people that need like the right amount of work done, right? So basically you can't have like a giant roster of just cleanings and exams. You also need like crowns, fillings, dentures. You need like a well-rounded mix. Also, you want to make sure that you're getting patients that need work that's not too, too complex for you to handle. Otherwise, it'll probably get referred to like the specialty programs and stuff like that. That's also tough. So like the ideal situation is someone that needs enough work that like the that you can handle and sometimes this is not the patient's fault but sometimes the school setting just like isn't the right fit right like it's long there are many appointments there's gonna be days where like it feels like you guys got nothing done and you need people that understand that and you need to be honest early on when you're screening these patients if you don't feel like it's gonna be successful if you don't feel like it's gonna be the right fit then it's better for both the patient and for you to like address that early on because like the worst thing is just going through all the steps, all the work, and then at the end, it's it's gonna be frustrating for the both of you, basically. One kind of like helpful thing that I did to kind of constantly keep in mind like what types of procedures I should be looking for during the exams and stuff like that was I would make like a requirements spreadsheet, like an Excel list of all the things I have to get done. And I, I mentioned this before, so that you might be hearing this again, but I would color code each line. So I would color code it green if I got the requirement done. I would color code it blue if I had a patient with that procedure that was treatment plan but not done yet and then I would leave it blank um, or like white if I didn't have anyone planned for that. So that way I would constantly know in my head what I got done, what I had on the horizon, and what I still needed to look for when I was doing these exams and stuff. So yeah, Bill, I can honestly say don't get too self-conscious about the size of your roster because I feel like I owe my degree to like probably a handful of like six or seven of my like high quality best patients. Like these are the, my ride or dies, the ones that would like always show up. They were so patient with me. Like I just cannot say enough about how thankful I am for like my incredible patients because like they just totally make your day. This is another helpful tip. Know how long certain procedures will take. What I mean by that is there are some things in dental school that just feel like they take a lifetime, okay? So that being like crowns and dentures, anything like pros, pros right? So with those things, really try to start them as early as you can because you don't want to be scrambling for those things early on where there's so many variables and factors. Like those are things that try to hustle if you can get them done early, like third year, because that way fourth year, you won't be as stressed about like getting every little thing done. Obviously there's a lot that's out of your control and that's why a lot of things in clinics suck, right? There's gonna be crowns that don't fit, denture things that don't work out. Like I'm pretty sure it actually took me like almost a full year to deliver my completes and my RPD because just so many things came up. Like the patient was out of state a lot, they got sick, like stuff like that happens, right? And so you have to account for that. And the earlier you start, the more wiggle room you're going to have and the less stressed you're going to be about that. Okay, so I know I really just like spewed a lot of information at you guys. Um, but basically that was a lot of the tangible stuff. Now I want to go into like the emotional mental part of it because 
Clinic is such a huge mind game, right? I mentioned there was the aspect of getting things done while there are patients in the chair, right? Then there's the aspect of like what you're doing when the patient's not in the chair. Then there's the aspect of like yourself keeping your head in the game and taking care of yourself. And so the first thing I want to mention is like, this is so cliche, but you cannot compare yourself to others. Okay, like I really had such a problem with comparison my first and second year of dental school with like getting projects done in time and like stressing over like how quickly I would get like my checks on my, my on my project like get approved for stuff I really thought when I started third year clinic I was like man clinic is gonna be great no more type of no more comparing my projects to other people like like we're not all gonna be graded the same anymore it's just gonna be me and my patients and no comparison comparison Connie like no more right turns out that comparison did not go away it only amplified more because dental school is a sick place where you glorify everything okay in clinic, people are going to start talking. They're going to, the, the second you start clinic, you're going to see it becomes this rat race of like, there's going to be people like gloating about like, oh, all the intense stuff they're doing and how quickly they get to try things. And like, all of a sudden the hot gossip becomes like, oh my God, did you see this person's story? They already did this many things. Or like, oh my God, they did this during this rotation. And I remember like, it's easy to feel insecure because like, for example, all my friends started their rotation super early. Mine were later. And in hindsight, it didn't matter at all. But I remember thinking like, oh my God, am I going to be like a less good dentist because like they started their rotation so much earlier um and so that's another reason why asking upperclassmen what to worry about and what not to worry about is good because then they will tell you like it really doesn't matter what anyone else is doing like it doesn't make a difference as long as you focus on doing the best you can doing right for your patient that's in front of you that's all you really have to worry about right okay so that brings me to another question you guys asked on chief complaints which was people stealing patients and requirements hogging requirements that kind of thing so there are snakes on the plane, okay? That's all I'm gonna say. That's one thing that can really make the environment stressful. Like this environment of dental school, it's it's not the individual people, okay? It's the system. It's just how dental school is with the idea of like, of like requirements in the real world with dentistry. It's like that with like production, right? This environment just breeds scarcity mindset and competitiveness. So how you really thrive and serve, okay, well maybe not thrive because I don't think I thrive. I don't think anyone thrives, but how you survive <laughs> is by putting your head down and not playing the snaky game, okay? There will be people that try to steal patients where they can, take requirements from you, people that hog requirements, people that won't share requirements, whatever their prerogative is, that's still not an excuse for you and your experience, right? You cannot waste energy being mad or upset or annoyed by other people because at the end of the day, that's only draining you. It's it's not benefiting you whatsoever. It's actually negatively impacting you. And in the real world, there will always be snakes. The real world is a snake pit. There will be people that are doing that try to do you dirty. I mean, even that aside, there will in life always be people. Maybe people are just like doing what they're trying to do, right? They're just in their own lane. And this is kind of like the thing that it's like the hard pill to swallow is like you cannot fault them for that, okay? Everyone's just trying their best. We're all just trying our best and you cannot, at the end of the day, obviously there's like a line of like ethics and stuff, right? There's always gonna be people doing more than you. There's always gonna be people doing less than you. And none of that matters, the more or the less. None of that matters. Your future patients do not care how many XYZs you did compared to someone else. They don't care if you whine and gripe that this person got to do more things than you. That doesn't matter. This is one of those times where you just have to put down your head and do what you have to do. Take those MPEs, build your roster, ask those upperclassmen for help. And this is also why it's important to have friends in clinic. You have to, you have to have your people. 
not just your upperclassmen, not just your faculty. You need your friends to like, I mean, that's what makes dental school actually fun is like commiserating with your friends, right? You need to have each other. You can help each other. You can help each other get lab work done. You can help share requirements and patients. You can help like give each other little like hacks and info and like work on things together. Like you can go so much farther with other people together. Um, that's Another thing to be aware of is you have to be open with your attendings from the start about like what you're struggling with. Like if you have something that you feel like you need more experience with, they can't really help you if there's only like one month of graduate, one month until graduation and you didn't tell them that you still need like a million things, right? So you have to be proactive early on and being like, hey, like I don't know how it is at other schools, but like my school, we would do roster review every couple of months. So then we would go over our roster share like how much we've done yet and like they will keep an eye on like what you need help with and they will help you encourage you okay my next thing is don't let yourself get overwhelmed with like how much you have to do um that was like just really what added to my stress in the beginning of clinic was that there's no set timelines like first and second year they're like okay everyone this project is due by this date that doesn't work this way all of a sudden it's more like they release you into this rat race maze and they're like all right here's a list of stuff you need done done get it done by may 2023 bye good luck and then all of a sudden you're like what okay where do i like it's just so much uncertainty and that's what sucked at first i promise it gets easier the more you get done the smaller that list becomes and the more okay you feel but in the beginning that's gonna feel like a really long list right and so you have to make sure that A, that you put your head down and don't like get too, don't overthink it, right? Don't make it harder than it has to be. Don't look at that long ass list every day and worry about that, right? But instead, day by day, check off, celebrate your accomplishments. As long as you're making progress and learning and obviously like checking things off and, and making sure that you're like keeping up with what you need to get done, you'll look up and realize every day, day by day, you are getting stronger. I think also a lot of times you underestimate how exponentially you're going to grow because I used to feel like so slow and unsure of how to do something, but it really does compound and snowball. Where like, yeah, one month when you first start out, it's going to take you like three hours to do something, right? The next month, it might take you like almost three hours. Then the next month, all of a sudden you get down to two hours. And the next month, it's like half an hour, right? Like you underestimate how exponentially your strengths can compound. So by the end, it just all magically comes together. Like in the beginning, it was very, my mind was very like, okay, step A, get signature. Okay, okay, what's step B? Okay, step B, get swipe. And then like eventually you can just simultaneously do all these things like, okay, well, I'm anesthetizing. I'll set this up. Then I'll do that. And you just like have no idea how much better you can become. So keep that in mind. Like you are going to be a lot better than you anticipate. You just have to like believe in yourself and put in the time and effort because it's going to take those reps, right? I think it takes like maybe 300 reps to become like really good at something. Huh? I have definitely not done 300 of like a lot of things, but you know what? The more reps, the better is what I'm saying. So yeah, I promise you that like, don't worry, it's gonna get done. It's not the end of the world if you feel like, you know, you know what? It's really actually never the end of the world unless it's the end of the world, which we all thought in 2013. But it's never the end of the world. Um, I promise you that a lot of times it's really just mental. And that was like the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around was just that it's like all in your head. Um, there's this quote 
in this book one book that i really like i'm i haven't finished it yet but it's called the obstacle is the way i wish that i read it starting clinic because one of the quotes is that okay i'm totally gonna butcher this it's like think you will be harmed and you will be harmed think you cannot be harmed and you cannot be harmed so basically the idea is if you don't think something is going to hurt you then it cannot hurt you you only you can give it that power okay wait i have another quote for you guys no one can make you feel inferior without your consent okay so that's like kind of a tangent but the idea is that you have the power to let yourself be hurt or not okay there will be times where you will be hurt okay i'm just being honest there will be times where you question everything and you get really overwhelmed and you get really annoyed and it's kind of just like why me why this why whatever but i promise you like that mentality is not really going to help you sure like feel that and vent if you need to and like let yourself wallow for like a day or so but then get right back on the horse okay because i promise you each time that something hits you down, you're going to get back up faster and faster and faster until all of a sudden you realize that stuff doesn't hit you anymore. And then before you know it, you're going to be done with that requirement and you're never going to have to see the world through the lens of requirements and stuff again. And that is the beauty of finishing dental school. So yeah, anyways, I hope that you guys found this advice helpful. Please let me know and please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would be mighty appreciated. Otherwise, I will see you guys on Tuesday. Bye! Oh